Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Talking Football. So, very good day to everybody. Uh, Our date, the 11th of May, 2023. Okay, our weather seems to be changing. Um, I was looking at the forecast, but before that I felt uh, that we're going a bit colder and I think there'll be rain late tomorrow by the looks of things. Uh, But certainly I get that feeling in my water, as the old English saying goes. Uh, Let's find out whether Rob's getting any feelings in his water. So good morning to you, Rob. Uh, What's it like down at the Playa San Juan area? Yeah, good morning, Vince. Good morning, everybody. It's a dull day actually around here today, Vince. Um, The sunshine, the sun's up there somewhere, but it's very cloudy. And I think you're right. It's got that sort of overclouded feeling that uh, I think we're in for some rain, which won't do us any harm. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a very nice day, to be honest. Well, it, it always can do us harm, don't forget, but it's just that basically we do need it. Um, it's just this business of trying to manage the water you have because, um, you know, people forget that even uh, football pitchers have been totally and utterly swamped, as with Carlisle. Uh, not that long ago in one of the English uh, leagues. But um, uh, as the lawmakers don't seem to um, really uh, always get it right in whatever they're doing, let's look at football's lawmakers. And they've been urged to broadcast the referees' conversations. Uh, This is during games to stop incidents like Jurgen Klopp uh, apparently screaming at the fourth official. I don't think he will be screaming. I don't know about you. Um, I don't like people using words that don't relate to what was going on. He might be shouting, but I wouldn't imagine him screaming. Anyway, uh, off to you. Tell me about the um, the Ref Support UK and what they're supposed to uh, be thinking. Right, well, um, the referees in England um, have got a committee. They've got various committees, as you know. Um, and they're talking about now when Jürgen Klopp when Liverpool got the winning goal um, last weekend and well, the week before last, and Jurgen Klopp started celebrating the 4-3 win and pulled his hamstring. And then he got into an argy-bargy, an argument with the fourth official. And the match referee, Paul Cherry, came over and <coughs> had, had, well, they, they had an argument, basically, Klopp and him. And uh, it ended up with Klopp being sent off and he's going to be sanctioned for lots of matches, probably. But what they're talking about now is something that we've been talking about for a long time, Vince, which is why don't we get to hear what the referees are saying when they make decisions? Um, It's all about communication between the referees and the rest of the people, the rest of the public, Um, because we don't get to hear. All we get to hear is what we mentioned last week. It's sort of like somebody who's, who's recorded the conversation because they've got a mobile phone on them or something like that. But the actual um, words that were said, Klopp di- denies them, although you can hear him saying them. Um, but th- what the referees are trying well, to do... Now, now, let me pick you up on that. Uh, you, you muttered, that although you can hear him saying it. So what did you hear? Well, you, you can hear Klopp. Um, and he hasn't denied this. He hasn't denied it. Yeah, so. but what did you hear? Um, Klopp said that you don't like... No, uh, Tierney said to Klopp, he said, you don't like referees, do you? And Klopp said to Tierney, he goes, I like referees, I just don't like you. OK, and so that... what's, what's abusive about that? Because I don't see that that's abusive. I think that that is plain speaking. And when you've had a referee, a referee with the history of Paul Tierney missing uh, deliberately some of the horrendous fouls against certain players on teams that he's not too keen on, um, then I can understand the frustration and I can understand that eventually you will make a comment because uh, these referees are not gods. They're made out to be gods. They've got the technology. When you go to rugby league, for example, you can hear quite clearly rugby league and rugby union referees in the studio who are busy explaining their 
uh, reasoning behind a particular judgment. You don't get this in football, which is why, with it being shrouded in secrecy, you get people getting cross. The problem is caused by the football authorities. Um, That's once, of course, the problem has been caused on the field or at the side of play or wherever. It ramifies and starts getting even bigger when it didn't need to. If football wasn't so secretive, I wouldn't always think it's all about the betting. And that's what I think it's about at the moment until they tell me something different. Well, I, I agree totally with what you're saying, Vince. But uh, what what they're a- attempting to do now, which is something, or hoping to do, the referees, um, well, the, the referees association, the ones who are in charge of the referees, is to try to make them more open. Now, Paul Cheney didn't break any of the rules. He was the match referee, and he acted fairly and squarely compared to what Klopp was doing. Klopp was behaving out of order. Um which is unlike him, but he does do it from time to time. But yeah, but the, what, what they'd like to do now is so that everybody else can understand the process they go through. As you're talking about VAR, it works in rugby. They've had the um, sort of a VAR system in in rugby for many years now, aren't they? And nobody argues with it because everybody knows it's a fair system. Um, and I think the referees now are realizing that. Nobody else thinks it's a fair system. And maybe this will change things um, for the better. We'll just have to wait and see. But don't you but, don't you see... I, I think you do. So um, let me just offer my sincere thoughts. Whilst we've got secrecy, you will always have people who think that there is more to this than meets the eye. Because that, that's what the reason we need transparency is all about. If yeah. you were seeing your players practically having a broken leg and not even a card is produced, um, then I think you eventually might get to the stage where, like Klopp, uh, you feel like shouting. But I think that whoever writes these articles wants to go and look up the word scream because I don't think he was screaming. I think that no, you get I, to I, a I point... Screaming, I don't think, Vince, no, he, he, he was... Speaking with a loud voice, but he wasn't screaming, no. And then when you go on to the article, you see um, what they do is they bung in all the rest so that before you've got uh, anything um, sort of addressed, you start looking at racial abuse, homophobic abuse, anti-Semitism, anything that they can get in on a, a, a newspaper article rather than actually get down to telling us what do we need to know and what do we need to have as an answer? And I don't know about you, but this is why I look at these articles. I like to see why are we not getting straight talking uh, rather than this hysterical, uh, probably, um, I don't know whether it's even a qualified journalist speak. Uh, 35 footballers next, including some current yeah. stars. Tell us about them. Right. Now, um, at the moment, the... 35 um, football players who are playing at the moment and ones who have just retired who are going undergoing um, rehabilitation for addictions. Now, most of them are go- undergoing rehabilitations for addictions to do with gambling um, because gambling and football have always gone together, really, haven't they? And the others are either gam- gambling plus drinking or gambling plus drinking plus drugs. Um, and it's um, it's a downhill spiral for a, a lot of ex-players. And uh, the man who's at the front of this, actually the forefront of this, is Tony Adams, uh, who, who from the Arsenal team, who's one of the Arsenal back four, yeah? Um, and he set up a, uh, a charity called Sporting Chance in the year 2000 because he is, well, he's a, a recovering alcoholic, I think they call him, but... Uh, he went through a lot of problems when he was a player and um, he was an alcoholic while he was a player and so were a lot of the, the others as well and he was the Arsenal captain and um, so now they're trying to bring this to attention. I mean, there's lots and lots of different examples. I mean, George Best, I think, uh, is probably the first example that I can think of. There may be players before him, but George Best... Um, Gaza. Ethan. Well, yeah, exactly. Gaza. Well, George Bessier was the first one I heard about because um, he's, he was still playing when I was a kid. But then Gaza is the same age as me. Um, and 
yeah, look at Gaza now. Now, but Gaza was always going to be like that because that's the kind of bloke he is. But a lot of the other players, um, Samson, for example, from Arsenal as well, he came from a fairly stable background, um, Kenny Samson, but he, he ended up sleeping on a park bench outside the pub that he was banned from going in um, because people come up to him, sort of like, oh, invite him to a pint. And it's about the trying to get the mentality to change, to try and um, make sure that the younger players don't get involved in that kind of thing. But it was very easy, and it is very easy, I imagine. I mean, look at some of the players these days, some of the things that they do, um, because they're all multimillionaires, aren't they? Listen, and, uh, I, I yeah. met George Best in his boutique in Manchester uh, when I bought the most horrendous sheepskin jacket from him when I look back. <laughs> uh, he was a perfect gentleman, and most people would tell you that when he was sober, he was a gentleman. However, uh, this alcohol in particular... And then the gambling, the, 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 the gambling thing is quite easy, isn't it? When you pay people stupid money and they haven't got the brains that can handle it, uh, they do stupid things. They gamble. They get themselves into an addiction which lasts probably for the rest of their life. So uh, for those who disagree with me about the money, and um, I will f go to my grave probably telling people how stupid it is to pay the sort of money they're paying for, for any of these players at the moment, and from Haaland right down to the young um, trainee who's just uh, about ready to uh, start his career. The, the problem really, uh, especially with alcohol, is the one thing that I've noticed and seen over my, my uh, lifetime is that there are people who are wonderful people. Uh, they've had money, so they've obviously had uh, alcohol, often when they're lonely. And my guess is you will probably even find a link between Alzheimer's and alcohol if you properly wanted to have it funded and looked into. But whilst there's so much money being made by people selling and drinking alcohol, uh, then you're not going to get it. It won't happen that way because people uh, care more about money than they do about people's lives. And I'm sorry, um, you know, uh, I've seen many top footballers, as you know, I've, I've uh, been in company with them at uh, after dinner speaking and all that sort of stuff. And the amount of drink that they've probably had over a lifetime is probably one of the biggest reasons why they have uh, these problems with health later in life. Of course, if you want to control the world and this is how you can use football, suddenly heading is the evil. Yes, there will be some uh, instances where heading uh, might be challenged, but um, certainly I don't think kids in a playground heading a small tennis ball is the way forward. I mean, that's another thing that I'm talking about, which, um, you know, becomes hysterical when it's written by journalists and people who basically uh, have no knowledge of the substance uh, that they're talking about. Um, but uh, let's sort of just say... Nobody really wishes any of these people to um, continue with these addictions. But the nonsense is that if you pay young, less educated people massive immoral amounts of money, don't be surprised when we have these problems. Um, good luck to all of them. I don't wish anybody yeah. any harm. And I'm sure you're exactly the same, Rob. I agree entirely, Vince. Um, yeah, you give young people or people that, that age loads and loads of money and don't advise them properly and things like that. And some of them will fall into a trap, especially gambling. Gambling is a, a, is a really bad one for them. But, um, yeah. I've told, uh, but I've told you why I, why I don't gamble. I don't gamble because when I was about 28, I, was, uh, I asked for a sub of my week's money and I put it all in the Tutti Frutti machine. Um, I, I, I just don't now gamble. That's the reason why. I, I learned the hard way. I lost, I lost uh, a week's money. Um, Burnley, yeah, I, I, I used to see people, and we used to get paid on a Saturday morning um, when we were at school and we were doing sort of like part-time work and that. Um, we used to get paid 50 quid, basically, each, more or less what we were doing. And I saw people then put in their £50 that they'd worked all week for into a fruit machine and lost it all. 
and since then I've seen people do a lot worse things and uh, yeah um, we can control our gambling but a lot of people can't and yeah so yeah, and they, again I mean it's like, more control I think you, you could could control your drinking the only trouble is most people don't really control the drinking I mean I'll go out and I don't care if people think I'm out this, that or the other because I want either water or a soft drink. I'm sorry. You know, it doesn't worry me. I will have, uh, I don't want to get any more than 14 units of alcohol in a week. And if I can keep that down to even nil, I'm not, I'm, that wouldn't worry me. We're going next to managers because there's a really nice guy, Vincent Company, great player. I, I enjoyed watching him when he was with uh, Manchester City. Um, and uh, he's talking about there are two sides to footballers. And he's really proud to highlight the positive actions they do in their communities. Uh, take it up from there for me, please, Rob, if you will. Right, well, Vincent Company, um, he's the manager of Burnley at the moment, and they've just got promoted to Premier League. Um, he's been a manager, well, he used to play for Man City, he's 37 years old, and um, it's the, it's not the first team he's managed, but it's the first team he's managed in the Premier League, and he's oh, in the English leagues, and he's taken them up to the Premier League, so credit to him. But um, yeah, Vincent Company comes from a very uh, modest family in Belgium, and um, he does a lot of work. Um, he always has done for underprivileged people, um, and especially I think minorities, because he is well, he's a he's a, he's a black man, isn't he? Um, a mixed race man from Belgium. Um, but what he actually puts back in um, in his own free time, and he puts money in as well. But he spends a lot of his free time. Um, giving things or doing things for people who are less well off than he is because he appreciates how well off he actually is um, but he's also going to be um, the next black manager in the Premier League which um, has also cropped up in the news he hasn't made any comments about it as far as well, I'm Rob, aware Rob let me make a quick comment uh, you know I don't think of anybody in terms of colour so um, you know it just so happens that his skin is darker than mine uh, but I look at a cultured, a cultured gentleman a great footballer a great ambassador and all the uh, racial stuff can totally and utterly disappear for me because the only reason why I wanted to really talk about this was that he also developed uh, a theme about the lack of diversity in management. And I think that there is a little bit of an area where uh, I think the, 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 the players who are not white, shall we say, um, who go into management need to be a little bit more on the guard because unfortunately, um, you know, when you see percentages of 4% quoted uh, as what we had when Patrick Vieira made his comment, then it was a shame, really, because I like Patrick Vieira, like um, Vincent Company. They're both very nice uh, gentlemen. And uh, it is pretty obvious when you look into what the article is also talking about, changes in the boardroom, that it's in the boardroom where the appointments are made. So realistically... Um, it seemed a little bit coincidental to me that we now have lost uh, Patrick Vieira from Crystal Palace um, because I don't think there's a race race issue anywhere. I think it's a numbers issue. I think, I think it's because they've lost nine matches on the trot, Vince. Well, you, you're right, but I think more than anything else, uh, if you don't have many of a particular race, if you've got to bring race into this, and I hate the fact that we do, uh, if, if they don't go and do the coaching badges and then do the managerial lower level, uh, I've seen Sol Campbell, another guy who I uh, admire, um, who basically was a great footballer. But, you know, he, he the, sadly, it, it, you've, you've got to get the success before you can change the culture that you perceive. If you haven't got people of that particular race uh, with success looking, I think Paul Ince would be another one. Uh, looking, that's what, that's what I was thinking of actually, Paul Ince. Vince, I mean, yesterday. these are all nice people, and and uh, I've all had great careers, and we've all enjoyed what? looking at the the game. And you know, uh, of course, I think that there will. You see, the uh, things that are hiding now behind racism, 
and various ways that people are looking at these things are you have got to prove yourself and then you've got to get your chance. Somebody's got to give you your chance. You are given a chance and then you take that chance. It's the language will give you the uh, reasons why people have not really gone past the 4%. Um, if we had maybe, I don't know, 100% of managers of one particular race who had achieved things and weren't getting promoted, I would particularly want to comment on that. But that's not the case. All these good managers like Vincent Company and the, the, the gentleman that we've mentioned, I think they will probably come through. But they've got to suffer a little bit with Macclesfield in uh, Paul Ince's case, wasn't it? And um, Yeah, Sol and Camp's, then he went to Reading, I think, after yeah. that. Uh, Sol yeah. Campbell, I yeah. think, was down in South End. Um, so, yeah. you know, I don't think it's necessarily a racial issue. I think that you're, you're coming through uh, a situation where most of the lads that I see of a particular colour who are playing football don't seem to want to go into the management bit. It's a hard life. I, I, why would you want it? You only have to look at uh, Alex Ferguson's complex complexion and how that changed over the time that he was there. Look at Liverpool's Gerard Houllier and uh, uh, Graham Souness, both had heart attacks. So yeah. you know, and yeah, and and Klopp is going through sometimes up, sometimes down, isn't he? And he he he, he used to be a really cool, laid back guy, but uh, yeah, well, the stress uh, must be must be incredible. Um, I, th I think also if you look at the, uh, the I, I quote this quite a bit now, the Guardian table of injuries and non availability of players, where Liverpool were about one hundred and ninety, and the next highest was Chelsea with uh, with about ninety. Um, then you can understand why Liverpool and Chelsea have had difficult seasons. And I think you have to keep, um, you really do have to try and keep control over what the real issues are. Uh, and I think Roy Hodgson says something very, very interesting, which I'm going to ask you to elucidate on, because Roy, uh, it might be over 75 now, but he still is a good manager and he's up to the job, which is why he took over from Patrick Vieira. Tell us about what he says. Right, well, um, as we know, Roy Hodgson um, is, well, he's, he's the most respected figure, I would say, at the moment in, uh, in English football, because he's come back... Um, after retirement, he's had a very long career um, as a manager, and now he's back at 73 years old, or 75, I think he is, and he's managed to keep Crystal Palace up. Now, he was talking about um, the amount of times that teams change their manager throughout a season, um, and it's, it's so rapid these days that a manager comes in and they don't actually get a chance to um Work, sort their team out. They they come in and they inherit players that they didn't buy, and they don't get, they don't give them up the opportunity to actually um, sort out their own system. But he was talking and, in particular. Uh, he's talking in particular about changes coming late in the season. Yes, he was. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like like Leeds, for example. I mean, we've got uh, <laughs> we've got Lars Samuel in charge for the last three matches, and yeah, changes late in the season rather than planning uh, beforehand. And say, old oh, boy, um, he's managed to keep the Crystal Palace up. They were, I think, fourth from bottom when he took over. And now they're going to stay up. And he's a man that we all respect and we should all listen to. But, yeah, he, he's, why can't they plan things sort of like slightly in advance as opposed to sort of like no, making but what, what, the hoof? But what he does say, he said... There is no magic. There is no dust you can sprinkle over the team. You can only work with the players who are there. It will be. Yeah. Uh, it will be if the players can react to the new manager and find something that haven't uh, they haven't found before. And then he goes on to say, if I was the owner of the club, I'd be asking the question: if they find something that hasn't been there before, what's stopped them up to this point? And I think that's a very valid point because, you know, it, like, look at um, your club, Leeds. Now, you, you had a man who was impeccable in some of the things that he was trying to improve. Uh, OK, he used to squat down and look a bit strange. But Sam Allardyce has come in with four or five games to go. Uh, we know what he'll do. He'll, short of putting wood over the goals each uh, weekend, um, he'll just park the bus 
and then he's busy telling everybody that he's as good as Klopp and Pep Guardiola. I mean, I don't know what sort of um, uh, wacky-backy he's been on because, sorry, (laughs) you know, Sam, that is not the way that it works. Do you know know why you said that, Vince? No, please tell me. Um, It was a tip that he got from Sir Alex Ferguson um, when he was a young manager. And it's take the pressure off the team. Take it all on yourself like Brian Clough used to do. Brian Clough used to speak out and all of the pressure was on the manager and it let the players get on with what they were supposed to be doing. So uh, Lars Samuel actually made some statements deliberately that would bring the pressure from the press onto him as opposed to onto his players. Sam, it's in a that tactic case, of his. Sam, in that case, I do apologise, uh, but uh, my, my, I still stand by some of what I said. You've got to, yeah, win, I, I, you've yeah, got to win games. A point's no good. You've got to win games. You've got to get your yes, attack fired. Yeah, yeah, we've got to win games. No point parking the bus. No, we've got to win. We've got three games left. And, yeah. But that's, I thought why, actually, that's why Sam spoke out, is so that the pressure would be on him and not on the players. OK, so I, I retract my uh, part of my criticism, but not all, you know, because that's why he was brought in. Let's not beat around the bush. He isn't there because he plays attractive football. Oh, let's get Sam Aladdice in for the last four games to play attractive football. Don't be daft. He's there no. to park the bus. That's what they do. He, he, he went with a mission and he's still on that mission. And until these get numerically... Um, relegated, which hopefully they won't, then uh, Sam is on a mission and hopefully he'll get the lads around him. He's already decided which ones are up for the fight and which ones aren't. And uh, we'll just have to see at the weekend. But uh, yeah, that's why he's there. And uh, well, good luck to him. I hope he keeps us up. (laughs) Well, listen, uh, you know I I hope uh, that uh, you stay up. Uh, Even though I watched Leeds playing uh, Liverpool in the cup final from many years ago last night when we won 2-1. Uh, right, time for the Liga thing, Rob, if that's okay with you. Sound. Okay, let's get the jingle and here we go. La Liga Roundup with Rob Daniels. And if you want to bung in the Champions League, bung it in. Yeah, well, let's do that then, Vince, shall we? Um... The Champions League, the semi-finals um, were played. The first leg of the semi-finals were played um, on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Um, it was Real Madrid against Manchester City that ended up one-one. And then last night it was uh, it was Inter Milan against Milan, but they both share the same stadium. It's at San Siro Stadium in Milan, but it ended up nil-two uh, to Milan. They're playing again next week, the second legs. Um, so we'll just have to see how that works out, but. There's no away goal advantage. So it's evens um, when they play at Man City and it's also evens when they play at uh, the San Siro again next week. But uh, we also had the Copa del Rey at the weekend, um, which we we spoke about last weekend. And um, Real Madrid won it. They won it 2-1 against Osasuna. And that was the first trophy they've actually picked up this year. But they're right out. They're, they're not going to win the Liga, but they really want to... Uh, with the Champions League, so it should be a good match. Um, well, let me City. let me just add in that you probably might have seen a very important figure at the Copa del Rey um, because the King had been at the uh, King Charles's do, and uh, then he'd run away. I think he I think he was on a mission like Harry to get back to his football, um, you know, as quickly as he possibly could. Um, but it was a nice little story, you know, because he want he wanted to go to the wedding, um, be seen, and uh, obviously uh, then rush back to the football with his daughter of all people, which I think is lovely, isn't it? Well, yes, I mean uh, he is actually uh, he's considered quite a good king, actually. Uh, by most people I know in, in Spain, most Spanish people I know, because he is, yeah, he, he, he likes to take his kids to watch football and things like that. Um, but he, yeah, he, he went to the Royal Wedding, oh, Royal Wedding, no, it was the coronation, wasn't it? I didn't see any of that, so I don't know. But yeah, he, he was there at a match, yeah. And well, uh, because it's, it's the final of the King's Cup and he's the King. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, you yeah. may, if anybody's going to give you a cup away, you may as well do it yourself, mightn't you? Yeah, and, uh, get, and get away from that royal wedding business, whatever they had in England. Yeah, but uh, yeah, well, they're, when, they're when, off again now. Yeah. Um, the way they are at the moment, 
is they're on 33 matches, all of them. And so there's five matches left, 15 points in it. Barcelona, 33-82. Atletico Madrid second. They're the only ones who can, I think, uh, overtake Barcelona if they win every single match and Barcelona lose every match, which is unlikely. Then Real Madrid in third on 68. They could just do it if Barcelona lose every match and they win. So basically, La Liga, it's not finished yet, but it probably will be back next week. Um, going down the table, we've got uh, Elche, we mentioned went down, um, but went down with honour, and they're still playing with honour. A team that has got out of the relegation zone is Sevilla, actually, who are having a really bad season um, to start off with, until they got rid of uh, La who went to uh, Wolves, and now they're mid-table. They're well out of danger, but Valencia are still right in it. Uh, Valencia are 17th at the moment, but only on goal difference, on 34 points. So, uh, yeah, it's all still to play for, and it's uh, it's very exciting, to be honest. And you sent me something during the, the week which reminded us of a time when I'd be up in the uh, studio in Altea and around about, I don't know, 60 or 70 kilometres away, Elchi's football ground were receiving a special uh, guest on a particular day when we were going to interview a special player. Just remind us what that was all about. Right, Vince. Well, this, um, a lot of our um, regulars for a long time will probably remember this, but this, I think this was about 2006, maybe, or two, something like that. But uh, there was an English player called Gifton Noel Williams who was a centre-forward and he started playing in Spain. He started playing for Mercia and then he went to Elche Football Club. And uh, when you, well, we found out, didn't we? And I went down and organised an interview and they were really, really helpful, Elche Football Club. I mean, they were like red carpet treatment and everything like that. And Gifton was a really nice bloke, wasn't he? So... Uh, and yeah, so we did an interview live um, many years ago with a, 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 a centre forward who was playing for Elche. And uh, I don't know if you'll be able to actually publish that on your, on your yes. podcast site. But, so, I, yeah, I, I did actually. One, yeah, I, I looked at that again last night so we can actually resurrect that. And um, if anybody wants to, um, later today when I put this on the internet, I will look out the podcast link. So um, also... Uh, you went again uh, as a very special guest when um, there was a very special team training this last year or so. Who was that? Right. Well, again, I, I have lots of contacts with LG Football Club. Um, social contacts, really. But when um, the World Cup was on and all of the teams were pl- playing games amongst themselves, Leeds United played against Elche. And I was invited along as a sort of guest of honour um, to go and watch the match. Leeds won it uh, 1-2 at the end of the day. Um, Mesley won in goal because he was actually <coughs> playing in the... He was a reserve goal, goalkeeper of the French team. But yeah, it was um, it was like a friendly match when they were playing in the World Cup. And I was invited down there and everybody made me extremely welcome again. Brilliant people down there, to be honest. Mm. Uh, and just uh, continuing on uh, before we go to looking at uh, what happened in the Premier League last week, uh, where I used to live, which is about uh, uh, three quarters of an hour going west from where I live now, uh, is the town of Lanuthia. Now, the mayor, uh, when I started doing the English classes for people there, was telling me of his dream of having a La Liga football club in his town. And a lot of people thought he was sort of obviously on the wacky-backy. And um, anyway, during the pandemic, Levante from uh, Valencia, which is the other Valencian club, needed to play uh, La Liga fixtures, but they had a problem with their stadium. Meanwhile, La Nucia, which is now the city of sport for Spain, it's one of the biggest sports complexes anywhere, and they've got a fabulous football stadium with a running track round, um, and they hosted about six games for Levante during the uh, pandemic and the lockdown and everything, and the, the mayor's dream came true, which is absolutely a wonderful story, isn't it? Oh, it's excellent, Vince. And uh, <clears throat> I've been to that stadium, as you know. Uh, we've, well, we've been there together. And uh, it is one of the best sporting installations, I think, um, well, it, I've ever seen, to be honest. It's, it's spectacular, isn't it? 
And um, yeah, they put on a lot of things there. They put on a lot of events. But yeah, the mayor's dream of having league of football played in his town because it's only a small town, isn't it? It's not uh, about thirty thousand maximum, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they actually got Levante there and Lanusia are not doing too badly in the league they're in at the moment. They're in the same league as uh, they're in a league above Edgeley from Alicante, and they're in the same league as uh, Intercity from San Juan, and they're only two steps away. Um, from getting into the Segunda Bay, which then could be a trampoline for them getting into the Segunda and then into our Liga. But um, but both of these teams, um, La Lucia and Intercity, have made giant steps in the last few years. And uh, I think it's really good, especially the La Lucia Stadium. If anyone gets a chance to go and uh, watch anything there, it's well worth it. It's, it's top-notch, isn't it, Vince? Absolutely wonderful. Um, okay, so we'll look at what went on in the Premier League um, starting the weekend of uh, Saturday, the 6th of May. Uh, probably not in chronological order because uh, the, the way that the fixtures had been planned and obviously events took it over. So I'm going to start with a look at uh, Bournemouth playing Chelsea. Now, Bournemouth had been really looking at a, quite a strong team over the last couple of games. Chelsea, um, well, they have had horrendous problems. I alluded to them earlier when we looked at the um, the, the Guardian table of injuries. And one of my neighbours, um, I think he's gone into hibernation. I've hardly seen him this year. Um, obviously, he being a Chelsea fan. Um, and I did say to him, well, look, I, I do think you, your team's not a bad team. I just think you've had rotten luck. Um, but, of course, we go back to the finances if we really want to uh, look at whether clubs uh, really do have um, the problems that they sort of think they've got. Um, anyway, changing your managers, uh, would it work? Uh, Frank Lampard's back there. Um, I don't think many people would have thought Chelsea could win this one. We both thought that Bournemouth would be the victors and the score was Bournemouth 1, Chelsea 3. Your thoughts on that one, Rob? Well, um, Frank Lampard broke his duck, didn't he? Um, he, he he's, got one of the, he's got the worst managerial record um, in the entire history of uh, First League football, not just the Premier League, but First Division football. Um because he lost about 12 on the bounce or something. And his Chelsea team came around against Bournemouth, who I think Bournemouth, they've had a really good season. Um, I thought they'd do more against Chelsea, but I think Bournemouth are now waiting for the summer holidays. But Chelsea took advantage and they won it. So, uh, yeah, uh, Frank Lampard uh, broke his duck and Chelsea won it 1-3. Okay, Uh, so we'll go next to Anfield, where... I thought Liverpool would struggle against Brentford because I think I think Brentford are a good team. I think that um, you flattered Liverpool a bit with a 3-0 scoreline. Uh, as it was, we were both right. Liverpool did win. Um, but, I mean, realistically, it wasn't uh, a stroll in the park. Uh, I didn't think it would be. Liverpool flattered to deceive over some parts of the game. Uh, 1-0, um, yeah, they need the three points if they're going to get even near the uh, conference position. Let's see what you thought of that one. Well, yes, I, I thought Liverpool would actually um, beat Brentford by more um, because Liverpool need the points. They got the points, but I, I thought they'd actually uh, be more fired up for it. Again, Brentford have had, I think, the best season they've ever had. Um, and they're not taking their foot off the pedal, but Liverpool had to prove something. They got the points, but I thought they'd do better. OK, well, look, uh, we both didn't agree on Man City against Leeds. I thought it would be a low score, so I predicted 2-1. Um, you thought they'd draw, but then again, you know, I don't, don't know what you'd been on that particular weekend. Um, all I do know is the sight of Sam Allardyce unloading a lorry load of wood and um, nailing up the goals was never going to stop Man City. I thought that was quite a good effort, actually, for your team. I think you did play with a bit of spirit. And I think Sam Allardyce is the man for the job, despite some of my uh, criticisms. It's a bit tongue-in-cheek. Um, I, I, you can't fail to like Sam Allardyce. He, he is a character. And um, I thought he brought the best out in your team on a difficult day for them. Yes. Um, I, I don't, we lost 2-1. But we lost 2-1 against Man City. 
um, who were most likely going to be champions. So, uh, yeah, no disgrace to us at all. Um, Sam's going to get the best out of us that he can. But something interesting in that match, actually, was that uh, Man City got a penalty and they could have made it 3-0. And Haaland, who's normally the penalty taker, he gave the ball to Gundogan, who already had two goals and he's never scored a hat-trick in the uh, Premier League before. And he didn't, he didn't score. So... And about a minute after that, Leeds got the 2-1. And uh, Pep Guardiola was having a right go from the sideline. And you can imagine when Haaland gets into the dressing room afterwards, because he's the designated penalty taker, rain or shine, but he hands the ball to his teammate so he can get a hat-trick and it doesn't work. Um, But that's because Haaland, I think, is still... He's a nice young lad, isn't he? He's a nice young bloke. He's a give-the-ball-to-his-teammate. when he should have actually taken it and scored. But, uh, yeah, I don't think we did badly. And uh, let's hope we get three matches. <laughs> yeah, but I, I thought you got as much as I thought you might get. Anyway. Yeah, Sunday, I, I, was, I was expecting worse than that, to be honest. Sunday's game was interesting because, um, you know, you looked at uh, Newcastle and the desire to beat Arsenal. Um, I thought they'd win 2-1. You thought they'd beat th- win 3-0. Well, uh, it turned out that Arsenal had the steal. It was Newcastle nil, Arsenal two. So maybe the nerves are a little bit um, on edge when we get to Newcastle at the moment. What did you think? Well, exactly what you just said, Vince, really. I I thought Newcastle would be really up for it. Um, And Arsenal were sort of uh, losing their nerve. But it was the other way around in that match. I mean, Arsenal... Are still in with a very good chance of winning uh, of winning the title, but Newcastle not going to win the title. But they want to, uh, they want the Champions League place, and I thought that Newcastle would go out and absolutely hammer um, Arsenal. But it didn't turn out like that. It, it turned out the other way around. Arsenal held the nerve, and Newcastle seemed to cut to pieces. And Eddie Howe after the match, um, he, he put his hands up basically in the. Yeah, the, the nerve went, basically. So, uh, yeah, Arsenal are keeping their nerve. I, I thought that Newcastle would do better. OK, now, we, we were all over the show with when the games were, so I'm just going to go with the list I've got. Um, yeah. And we looked at a Nottingham Forest playing Southampton. Bargain basement, a big game, lots at stake here. We both thought that Forest would win. Um, I thought 2-1, you thought 3-1, 4-3, quite a game. Well, over the last last three games um, of last week's Premier League, Vince, um, so many goals and it, incredible, really. I mean, this is a seven-goal match, and um, both in a relegation battle. This went right down to the wire, and uh, Forest managed to pull it off. They were playing at home. I didn't think Southampton would actually be, be able to put so much of a fight, but they did. Um, but yeah, seven-goal match, um, excellent entertainment. Uh, I think that's probably sent Southampton more or less down. They aren't down yet, but more or less down. And it's got Forrest out of the relegation uh, position. So, uh, yeah, seven-goal match. Brilliant. OK, Spurs were playing Palace. Uh, Palace had been on a bit of a run. Spurs are sort of a Marmite team at the moment. I thought it would be 2-1 to Spurs. You thought Palace would win this one. Spurs won, Palace nil. Yeah, well, um, Spurs actually can play when they actually pl- when they decide to play, can't they? Um, it's been a very disappointing season. Uh, I would say if, if I was a Spurs supporter, for example. Um, but yeah, Palace had to lose one under Old Roy, and yeah, Spurs managed to get this one. I didn't think they'd do it. I thought Spurs had given up the ghost. Okay, well, Wolves, um, who'd been sort of toothless. And, um, you know, obviously, when Villa were visiting, you'd have thought that Aston Villa would be really up for this game. And we both thought that way anyway, because we both predicted Villa would win. However, Wolves did show their teeth and uh, 1-0 to Wolves. They needed that one uh, just to sort of get back on track, didn't they? Yes. Now, I think Wolves are probably safe now, uh, to be honest, Vince, um, with three matches left. But Villa were looking for a place in Europe. Um, I'm not sure if they can still get one, but it was going to be an outside chance. It always was going to be. But, uh, yeah, uh, Midlands derby, 
um, they there's a lot of rivalry there. Um, so it was it was a fair match, but yeah, uh, lots of rivalry. And Wolves managed to pull it off. So yeah, Wolves are safe, and Villa are out of Europe. Now, David Moyes used to manage Manchester United, so he'll always want West Ham, his current club, to defeat Man United. I thought it'd be a draw. You thought it'd be a draw. West Ham needed the points, and um, maybe the nerves are jingling a little bit at Manchester United. West Ham won, Manchester United nil. Yes, indeed. Uh, David Moyes wants to win whichever team he's managing, Vince. But yes, he's got a special um, a special friendship, shall we say, with Manchester United after what Sir Alex Ferguson left him. But uh, yeah, West Ham, I think they're safe as well now. And although the defence is absolutely dreadful, Manchester United, uh, their attack is not particularly good either. And... I, I, I thought it would be a draw. I think you thought it would be a draw. But it ended up with uh, West Ham 1, Man United 0. West Ham and I was safe. And Man United are still in there. But then, well, they're having to fight for a, a place now, for European place. Well, it would appear that some of these uh, players need a bunch of fives. And uh, when, <laughs> when Brighton were hosting Everton... We both feared the worst for Everton. 3-0 and 3-1 was what we predicted. Uh, but what the heck did we know about football? What do we know about anything this year? Brighton 1, Everton 5. Incredible. What do you think? Is that one down to the um, the triads and the betting? It was absolutely incredible result, really, for Everton, uh, Vince. And a very bad result for Brighton. Because if you look at the respective teams' positions... Brighton are still in with a chance of a European place, which they've never been to Europe before. But Everton are now out of the relegation zone. But how that happened, um, I don't know. Jordan Pickford, um, the, the England goalkeeper and the Everton goalkeeper, he played out of his skin. Now, he always does play when, when he needs to. When the ball comes near, his, near him, he's always there. But he managed to save um, Everton so many chances by the Brighton team. But how they managed to pull it off 1-5, um, yeah, brilliant goal score. Why can't they do that every week? Because they can't. But yeah, yeah, brilliant, yeah brilliant match. Now, Liverpool had recently played full aim. Um, full aim were hosting Leicester. And um, we've got to play Leicester at uh, Monday night. So, uh, what did we think? Well, we thought uh, Fulham would just about shade it 2-1. As it is, it was a goal fest. Fulham 5, Leicester 3. Maybe a goal less might be uh, the way you should describe that. Anyway, Fulham 5, Leicester 3. What do you think? Well, you've got Leicester, we've got Fulham. (laughs) So, um, eight goals in a match, Vince. Um, Again, an incredible goal tally. Um, and Fulham don't have anything to play for. They're, they're safe. They're not going to go to Europe. They're not going to go down. But they're playing at home. And just for pride, they haven't, they just went out and played. And Leicester really gave it everything they had. Um, but yeah, eight goals in a match. Um, again, fantastic. Uh, just, just from a neutral point of view, even though I'm not neutral, it, it was a spectacular. It was a great goal fest, yeah, definitely. Okay, so uh, with those games in mind, we now look ahead to Saturday, the thirteenth of May. Um, obviously, the list that I worked on could be amended, but if we've got the games that I've got, Arsenal against Brighton. Now, Arsenal need the points to get to the top. Uh, obviously, should Manchester City slip up, which I don't really think is going to happen, uh, Brighton definitely need to be playing a bit better than they did against Everton. So, uh, give us your score prediction for Arsenal-Brighton. Right, well, this one's on Sunday at uh, half past four in UK time, I think it is. Um, Arsenal-Brighton. Brighton mucked it up against Everton. I think I, I can see this being a two-all draw, Vince. I can understand because I was tempted to go that way, but I mm. think Arsenal have got more of the uh, desire to to win at the moment. So I'm going to go for Arsenal two, a Brighton nil. 
Uh, now, Aston Villa Spurs. This again is uh, about teams that have got an outside chance of going into the European competitions. So, uh, what do you think of that game? Villa against Spurs. Well, Villa got beaten last week, didn't they? Um, and they're playing at home against Spurs, who can be up and down. And I would like to see, if between the two of them, if one of them was getting into Europe, I'd like to see Villa get in. So I'm going to put it down as a 2-0 to Villa. OK, now I think that this game can go either way. Uh, so really, it doesn't matter what we predict. God knows what's going to happen. Uh, but I do feel that... Um, I think a draw will be the outcome of this one. I think it'll be 2-2. So that's what I'm going with that one, 2-2. Mm. Now we go to another London derby. Brentford, the Bees will be buzzing at home to West Aim. What do you think of that one? Well, I think they're both safe now. Actually. Brentford are definitely safe. I think West Aim, um, they, they're also safe, I think, by now. But uh, West Aim still don't think they're actually safe. So I think West Ham are going to go out and try and do this. And I think West Ham will get them one too. OK, now I think it'll be the other way round. I just have the feeling with Brentford, I mean, even though they're not um, having to worry about going down, I just feel their manager has still got the appetite to win. I mean, when he was playing up at Anfield, I just got the feeling that the motivation level for the team is still high. So that's why yeah. I think, mind you, West Ham, they're no mugs um, verging towards a draw. But I think on balance, I'm going to go for Brentford to West Ham 1. OK, okay. now uh, Chelsea, uh, they have actually had a win under the belts. What will this do for um, Frank Lampard? Will he swagger into Stamford Bridge uh, as the, village, uh, the visitors are forest? Um, who sometimes don't see the wood for the trees, but they desperately need the points. So where are you going with that one? Well, now that Frank has got a, a win under his belt, and also the players have as well, which will, uh, will motivate them because they've eventually managed to win. Um, they're playing at home against Forest, who are fighting, but I can't see them doing anything. I can't see them doing it against Chelsea, to be honest. Um, I'm going to put it down as a 3-1 to Chelsea. OK, well, I've got it 2-0, so we're on the same page with that. Uh, Roy, of course, uh, has been working his magic, sprinkling the dust over his team. And can they now see the visitors off for this week? Bournemouth. Bournemouth looked pretty good. Uh, I've kept an eye on Solanke because, obviously, he used to play for Liverpool. I thought he looks very frisky at times. Um, so this one... Mm. Where are we going with Roy and his Rovers for that one? Well, I think they're both safe now. Um, I think I think now Palace are definitely safe. Bournemouth are more or less safe. Bournemouth have had a brilliant season, haven't they? Really, to be honest. Um, but I think they're both going to be playing just for the sake of it, just for the honour of it between themselves. And uh, I think that Palace will win it. I think they'll do it three-two. OK, I'm gone 1-1. One, one. Uh, so, I see where you're coming from. And uh, we go next to Everton. Sean Dyche uh, has got Manchester City coming along. Now, I know uh, what my heart would prefer to happen, but it's not quite what I see happening because uh, I did see Sean Dyche standing behind Sam Allardyce uh, at the Wood Store, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if he's trying to board up the goal mouth for the weekend. Um, what do you think of this one? Yeah, but he'll only be able to buy the cheap wood, won't he? There'll be loads of holes in it and that. So I can see Man City slaughtering them, to be honest. Um, or maybe not. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't see Man City losing this, can you? Um, I think... I can't see Everton doing anything in this, to be honest. I've got it as a nil-three to Man City. OK, well, I have to think that uh, because, obviously, they've seen what Brighton uh, came up against, I think Man City, Pep Guardiola, he's just that little bit more cute, isn't he? I think it'll be Everton 1, Man City 4. So we're on the same page right. again. OK, mm -hmm. now your team, uh, the Enigma kicks in because Leeds... 
you know, they should be sponsored by Marmite. Uh, some days I look at them and I think, well, you, you shouldn't be where you are. Others, I look at them and I think, I can see where, why you're where you are. <laughs> um, but Newcastle, the visitors. Now, Newcastle have just had a little kick up the rear end. And quite honestly, if they want the European place, uh, they've got it. All they've got to do is win the game. So um, where are you going to go with this one? Well, Newcastle want the European place, but Leeds want to stay up. Or at least that's what we hope that the team wants to do. Um, playing at home, this is the first match, actually. This is on Saturday, 13th of April at uh, 12.30 UK time. There's the Saturday lunchtime kickoff. We've got to do it, Vince. We, we, we can't slip up again. Um, it won't be easy, but I'll put it down as a 2-1 to Leeds. OK, well, I'm afraid I don't want to do this, but I do feel that it will be Leeds 1, Newcastle 3, because uh, Eddie Howe is the factor. Leeds, uh, I've got Sam Allardyce, he'll be awkward, but Sam Howe, you know, he's asking the question, isn't he? That's why he's got his surname. He just doesn't. Yeah. Turn, he doesn't turn up with planks of wood. Um, Leicester. No, and he, he's got he's got them tuned, hasn't he? Because uh, he's, yeah. he's been there for a while now, and he's got Newcastle really finely tuned. Um, but I'm going to put it down as a two-one. <laughs> okay. Uh, now I've got it as a nil. Sorry, one-three. As yeah. we go to Leicester against Liverpool. And Liverpool have got to win these games if they want to get that extra uh, uh, European situation. Uh, I don't care if it's the Conference League. I think as long as you're seen in, in Europe, players will want to come and join you. If they don't, uh, then we're not going to get players that we want to come and join us. So, uh, Leicester against Lee Liverpool. Give us your ideas on that one. Well, Leicester again... Um... Fought it out, didn't they, uh, in the last match? But Liverpool, if they yeah, if they want to get into a European place, I wouldn't recommend the conference uh, the conference league business because that's what all all the Spanish teams want to avoid that one. Um, however, I've, Leicester, I don't think have got enough in it to, to do the same again as what they did the other day, and uh, I've got it down as a nil two to Liverpool. Okay, well I only go for nil one because. Um, I don't see anything particularly attractive about the way Liverpool have played the last couple of games. I get the impression that they'll play, uh, I won't say dirty, but you know what I mean, uh, unattractive if they need the points and they'll just do it by one goal, I think. Manchester mm. United play Wolves now. Manchester United, they've got to keep a little bit of an eye on what's behind them as well. So give us your thoughts on this one. Well, Man United, yeah, they they lost the other day, didn't they? Um, they want, yeah, they they're not going to win the, the league, of course, but uh, they want to be up there in the Champions League places. Wolves, I think, are fairly much safe. Man United playing at Old Trafford, it's got to be Man United. Vince, it's got to be two 0 to Man United. Okay, well, I think Wolves could provide them with a draw so um, that that's a little bit of me heart in there because Liverpool need that sort of result I can't really say it but you know I'll, I'll go for a 1-1 uh, now Southampton our last game are at home to Flame uh, Southampton as Captain Manring would have uh, been listening to somebody uh, will know that they're probably doomed so um, give us your thoughts on that one well, mathematically, they're not doomed to Southampton, but it, it, there's only three matches left, so it's only going to be a matter of losing another one, and I think then then they've gone. But as we mentioned before, Fulham have got nothing to play for, but they played their heart out the other night and uh, won four three. I can't see Southampton getting them getting themselves out. To be honest, Vince, um, I put it down as a one three to Fulham. Okay, well, I saw it as a nil-two, so the differential is the same. So, realistically, I think we're on the same page. Uh, That just about wraps it up for this particular week. Uh, Rob, I'll leave it with you and your capable hands, or maybe your mouth, to uh, give us uh, the outro. Here we go. Right, Vince. Well, uh, it's been another interesting day, hasn't it? And we haven't managed to get through half of the things that we could have talked about. I'd just like to mention one thing before we go. Um, Scottish League 2. 
the far, far and East Five situation, which I think was an old joke by the two Ronnies, which is a comedy duo in the 1970s, but it actually ended up four, far, fifth, well, East Five, fourth, four, far, fifth. Now, try to say that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it actually ended up, that's how it ended up. Scottish League in two at the, end of the, at the end of the season. East five, fourth, four, five, fifth. And the gag came from Stan Boardman. Catch you next week, Rob. How oh, was it, Stan Boardman? All oh, right, it's close to it. Nice one, Vince. <laughs>